and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We're presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Matthew Penny is here. Half man, half a manager? Is that right? Half manager, half amazing? Is that yeah, what your nickname the, is, Penny? It, it was half manager, half amazing because I was a student manager for the basketball team first before I walked on. It was during the, I wouldn't say peak, but I guess the tail end of the And One Mixtape Tour that had half man, half amazing. So one of my teammates, Drew Rossi, who's much more uh, clever than I am, came up with that. So that's pretty good. I, I'm mostly just happy this isn't like a self-given nickname. That was my first concern <laughs> here yeah. whenever yeah. I saw I, I this. I am now half manager, half amazing. That would be like a weird, self-anointed superhero <laughs> thing. Yeah. Just a big Spider-Man fan over there. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, all right, Matt Penny. We are going to talk today about the G League Ignite. We also want to talk a little bit about Tennessee because we want to follow up on our conversation from last week because Tennessee has finally decided to let the kids uh, go to work a little bit. And then maybe we'll talk about a couple other things here at the end. But I'll just start here. I wrote a big thing on the G League Ignite earlier today. People probably know my feelings on most of these prospects. I would love to hear from you what you thought of Jonathan Kuminga, Jalen Green, Deshen Nix, and Isaiah Todd uh, in their first action that we have seen now. Sure. Do we just kind of want to go and order one at a time? Yeah, let's let's start with Kuminga because he was very clearly the best one. Uh, And throughout the course of this podcast since we've been talking about the ignite we've been very clear that everything we've been hearing is that kuminga has been the best throughout the course of uh their training regimen yeah no question i really liked him coming out of high school i thought he was a whatever top two to three guy we've talked about it here at length he just had some injuries and stuff that we didn't know how he's going to bounce back there were always kind of like a little bit of concerns questions about consistency but he looked the part in the scrimmages that just kind of NBA personnel saw, and I thought he looked even more the part yesterday against NBA players or, or close to NBA players. The body right away stood out to me at 6'8", big wingspan. He looked in tremendous shape, wide shoulders, and he just seemed to fit naturally on the floor with guys that were kind of built like him. He knew how to use his body. He didn't shy away from contact. He initiated in the post. He held his ground when he had smaller guys on him, like Jordan Poole. He did some stuff off the dribble. He covered a ton of ground when he kind of spun there. He grabbed and go off the rim. He even came off a ball screen and, and, and beat a rotating big. You want the handle to tighten up a little bit, but really liked his strong reaction time to things. The naysayers will say he was one for seven from three, which I understand. I thought the three did look a little bit better. And, like, you know, again, it's part of, like, the nuances of playing five-on-five again. I saw in either your article or or David Aldridge on The Athletic today said these guys hadn't played five-on-five until the scrimmages. So they're still getting used to time and score. There's a minute left. He should have bled more clock. But, again, that's a little nitpicky. Uh, Did have that one great one-hand bounce pass and transition to Jalen Green for a dunk. He had patience in the mid-post. He saw that cutter for a layup. And then what really stood out was the end of the game rotational block at the rim after Deja Nix was beat by Jordan Poole that he stops and, and blocks a guy high above the square. And I just thought that's a heck of an asset to have for a guy that's kind of this combo forward two-way player that everyone envisions could be a, a top three draft pick. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought up the jump shot because I don't really care that he went one for seven. 
that jumper looks so much better than it did at the prep level. It used to be very mechanical. It used to be very robotic. Uh, I thought that he would struggle to get like pull up jumpers off or jumpers off of movement off in that game yesterday. He was just like coming off of screens and shooting. He was setting a ball screen, setting his feet and firing off the catch. Uh, he actually took a couple of pull-up threes and not like the Jalen Green, like jab step, let the defender recover, stop, step back, pull-up three. Like we're talking <laughs> right. like actual in rhythm pull-up threes. I was very, very impressed with Kaminga. I, I thought that he was going to be, I thought that, I guess that what I would say is I thought that the skill might not quite be there yet. Uh I thought he could end up being more of a driver if the jumper wasn't quite ready yet, but the jumper is very clearly there from day one. Uh, I know that the shot didn't go in. I care a lot more about the process, and the process is a million times better for Kaminga right now. And he seems so confident and comfortable out there. Some of these guys, like Jalen Green, they looked a little jittery, a little nervous. It didn't look like their game. This kind of looked like a plug-and-play of the type of game we saw from Kaminga in high school. Like he came out right away and acted like he belonged. And by the end of the game, yep. when he had that big block and, and I just went back and rewatched some of the clips, like he yells, he lets them know like he wasn't afraid by any means. Yeah. Like there's a pretty real case that is an 18 year old. He might've been the best player on the floor yesterday. And like, you would hope to see that from a guy that is universally considered a top five pick. But, like, between him and Jarrett Jack, like, they had the two best players. Jonathan Kamingo was better than anyone on the Santa Cruz Warriors. Like, I know Jordan Poole went for, like, 32, but he took 9,000 shots. And <laughs> I was wondering what number you're going to throw in there. Yeah, it was around 9,000, yeah. Something like 9,000, yeah. right? Like, it, it felt like 9,000. Yeah. I know that. Uh, you know, Nico Mannion did not look awesome in that game. Uh like, who, who do we think the best warrior was yesterday? Like, honestly, might might have been Jeremy Lin. Like, I think that that's probably a pretty real case. Yeah, I, I guess I would see Jeremy Lin. But there's, there's just, it's not obviously the same Jeremy Lin. He's a little bit older, a little bit wiser. So it's more angles yep. than, than blow-bys, more here's a pump fake and let me step in, uh, which he got guys still caught up in, in drawing fouls because he's a smart player and knows how to play. Certainly prospect. I mean, I don't think that's an argument, but... Yeah, somewhere between that that pool and uh, Jeremy Lin range would be their best player. Yeah, and like Kamingo was probably, I don't know, like it was somewhere between him and Jarrett Jack, between being the best player on the court yesterday. And that says a lot for an 18 year old to come into that situation. The G League is not like some bullshit college league. Uh, Jarrett Jack is a 10 year pro. Uh, you know, Jordan Poole is a first-round pick, even though he should not have been a first-round pick. Jeremy Lin was like a full-on sensation and is now like in his 30s. Uh, Dusty Hannes is like a borderline NBA player who very easily, in my opinion, could go over to the EuroLeague and look fine. Uh, Caleb Wesson was, what, all Big Ten last year? Yeah. Axel Tupan was in EuroLeague for like three years. I have no idea why Axel Tupan is on the Santa Cruz roster right now. Uh Dwayne Sutton was like a very high-level player at Louisville as a role player. Uh, probably should have made all defense in the ACC last year. So, like, these are not, like, scrubs. These are some of the best of the best that college basketball and pro basketball has to offer. And Jonathan Kaminga stepped in, and he was that guy from day one. 
it's fun watching too and that was obviously just the first game and yes there's the first day in the g league bubble but seeing some of these rosters and these names of guys like oh i forgot about him or i didn't know he's still kicking around or why isn't he in europe to play that game every day with uh, the various roster stuff is fun but yeah kaminga stepped in he showed what i was hoping he would show and he's been able to do on, on different levels there wasn't much of an adjustment time for him he caught the ball and went to work really early yeah, and the last thing I want to mention, you kind of brought up the passing, but he's much better as a passer already because you can tell that there's like a real sense of patience and uh, willingness to look for the pass that wasn't always there at the prep level when I watched him. Uh, he hit that. My favorite one was honestly, he hit that little like, I don't want to quite say it was a pocket pass, but like he hit that little baseline cut yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. on that, like, Brandon Ashley. Yeah, uh, where Ashley backdoored the guy, and it was really, really impressive that he saw that. That was a very tight window, half-court pass. That's a hard pass to make, and it was easy for him. There were, there were no issues there at all. And that's already shown growth since the scrimmages. I only saw one of the two, I believe. I saw a workout and a scrimmage, and he's already using that more than he had i mean that was a little bit of a knock as the passing and he finds himself looking for his own shot more than others but with the game spaced out a little bit more slow down a little bit let the play develop and those guys cut to the lane i mean he's he finished with four assists and those were two really good ones i mean 19 points four assists four rebounds shot 50 percent from the field did have two blocks including the big one at the rim and four turnovers which is going to happen being that young you want him to tighten his handle a little bit But very encouraging debut. I don't want to obviously like crown him and and move too fast, but like the the train is close to leaving the station on him being like a top two to three guy. Yeah, I I said that he's very clearly a top four guy, uh, along with like Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. Like I I think those are your four in this draft. Uh, Jalen Green, I think, has a chance to get to that level at some point wasn't quite as good yesterday as i think what the hype would have been is that fair oh 100 fair and, and it was kind of it's tough because you want these guys to play a few games too they play again tomorrow they play 15 games total but just for game one when you're kind of leaning in and waiting for some crazy stat line or athleticism it just didn't pop out of the screen right away it developed as the game went on yeah but just to start i was like okay nico man is on him Nico's from Arizona. He's from California. They've played a million times. He's probably going to go off the dribble and try to score. Nico <laughs> did a pretty good job on him, right? It's like, and then yep. down the other other end, Nico was able to get by him in the lane and then relatively contain him off the bounce. It's it just, you don't want to like panic too much, but there's going to be more athletic, longer guards wings covering you. Uh, he tried to kind of force it early with that crossover through a screen, he traveled on a catch and transition. You you said it absolutely right. He missed that bad step back a couple times where he threw in like an extra step back or fade. Like I don't really know why. If he like pressed the, the button too many times on his controller internally or something, it's like to shoot the ball. Uh, it got better in the second half. I thought he had a little bit less tunnel vision. He played a little bit more than himself. But you want him to stop drifting. I just was left wanting more i just wasn't satisfied in watching jeremy lynn being able to shut him down yeah i thought that his second quarter was like a total disaster uh he was really bad in the second quarter uh that was when he really started to like take a lot of those like pull up threes and like pull up shots and i think that 
midway through the third, because in the third quarter, he had that, like, I'm going to go try and post up Nico Mannion thing, where he took probably the worst shot anyone took in that game yesterday, non-Jordan Poole edition. Uh, this is this is just going to be like a Jordan Poole. Yeah, you have vendetta. There's <laughs> deep-rooted stuff here. I feel, 9, I feel bad. shots, and this one was the worst, yeah. Okay. I feel bad. Jordan Jordan Poole uh, probably just should not have been a first-round pick. <laughs> and uh, the Warriors did him a disservice by selecting him there. But in the case of Green, I think that midway through the third, he started to chill out a little bit and figured out what he needed to do in order to get to his spots on the court. Uh, started to run in transition. If I remember correctly, that one Kuminga pass came in the third quarter. Yeah, the like the full court end, one. Right side, yeah. yeah, that was good. And I think that that might have got him going just like a little bit. Uh, fewer bad decisions uh, after that as well. It, it was just a little bit, just a little bit kind of frustrating, I guess, to watch him. Uh, at the end of the day, and that's a bummer. I don't, I don't like, uh, I don't like saying that, but he was he played a very frustrating game. You can see the athletic tools. You can see the ability to get to that step back jumper. You can see the ability to kind of. He took that one shot late in the shot clock where he was able to create off the bounce, create a ton of separation from Mannion, and took that like drifting baseline pull up, uh, which was a fine shot in, in the context because there were like two seconds left on the shot clock, but like. I felt I felt like the athletic tools translated in the way I wanted them to, but his shot making and decision making is just not quite where it needs to be yet. And difficult too, because when you have a performance like Jonathan Kaminga did, naturally you're gonna compare the two because these are the two more or less crown jewels of this G League Ignite team. Both have played pretty equal in the scrimmages, in the workouts. So when you have eleven points on four of ten shooting, one of three from three and three turnovers, it's just a little bit of a letdown when Kaminga has such a strong showing. As we've seen, like it, it's going to take some time. These kids are both still young. I'm not. I'm not worried about Jalen Green. I was just hoping to get a little bit more out of him from a debut performance. No, totally agree with that. I'm not worried about him. I think that he is someone particularly that as the game kind of slows down for him, as he sees the speed and kind of adjusts to the speed of the game, he's going to be a lot better uh, over the course of like the second half of this quote unquote G league season in the bubble uh, versus the first half. I think that there are probably going to be some like overreactionary Jalen green takes, but I want to see what it looks like in the second half of the G league season, because this is a guy too, where I think that the critical thing worth noting here, he's always played on the ball and yes, it's very clear that he's adjusting to playing off the ball and figuring out when I can go and try and get my shots. How do I move off the ball? What does my footwork look like to get into my shots off the ball? And not be the the highest usage guy like he was on the prep level. And, and somebody made a good point. I was talking to a coach the other day. He said, you know, anybody can look good on USAB when you're playing around all those guys and just this is a little bit more of a a level playing field of you have a target on your back because all these guys are coming for your spot and they talked about on the broadcast that these guys are looked at a little differently in the bubble because they know roughly how much they're getting paid and they're going to be looked at by everybody so people are going at them every play too so Daisha Nix is next and Daisha Nix I thought played pretty well yesterday every single text that I got from scouts was about Daisha Nix looking let's say heavier than what he's looked in the past and I guess that like 
I don't want to overreact to this, but Daisha Nix is a guy where he had pretty limited athletic tools to begin with for an elite level five-star point guard. And he's up about 20 pounds. He's listed at 224. I believe they said on the broadcast, he's 230. Uh, did that? Did they say that on the broadcast and you heard that as well? Uh, that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, that'd be like somewhere between 20 and 25 pounds more than what he played at, like in Las Vegas. And I guess that like a, where I'm worried is like, it's really hard to make a living in the NBA as a guy who doesn't really have a great first step and is still a developing shooter. He made that one like late shot clock three in this game, but like nobody thinks station Knicks right now is a super high level shooter. B I'm just like, everyone I talked to was just like, how did this happen? Kind of thing. Like how, how did he like go from Las Vegas to Walnut Creek, California and put on like 20 to 25 pounds? Cause it, it, like, right, let's just be real about it. Like, it doesn't look like it's all muscle. Like, I think he's gotten stronger. And I think that, like, some of it is muscle. But I'm just, like, a little bit... I'm a little bit confused, I guess, is where I'm at. <laughs> just leave it for me to tie it together. Yeah, I the, the Vegas and Walnut Creek thing is a little confusing to me, too. Because Vegas is, like, I don't know, the capital of the United States for that type of food and give and go. I, I don't know. I, it, he does look bigger. I, I thought Walnut Creek, he'd be in a little bit better shape. And Brian Shaw made the comment to one of the announcers that if he gets you on his hip, it's too late. He's got your beat, but he's still got to you still got to beat him. Like he he yeah. doesn't have blinding speed. He's always been kind of like an angles guy. He didn't start the game. He checked in and was like, "All right, here we go," and he scored right away. He is a gamer. Yep. Like he scored that left side of the court right handed layup, then came down and kicked out to a corner three for Jarrett Jack, and it's like, "All right, maybe this works." He started their run a little bit. They also noted on the broadcast they did have kind of like a big body, like a running back. They danced around it. Has this kind of like old manish game where he'll lean in, get you off your feet, and then then shoot and kind of flail and get the free throw line. He started off really good, and then I thought he cooled some in the second half. Just tried to make plays that weren't really there. Uh, he took and made that one late three in the shot clock, like you said, but wasn't really looking to shoot from three, and he's going to have to prove that with more reps because that's what NBA guys are worried about. But the biggest kind of concern for me was when you can't stop Jeremy Lin off the bounce, when you're bailed out, like we talked about by Kaminga's rotation on the Jordan Poole drive to end the game, there's going to be quicker, faster players than that. you got to be able to react, and your foot speed has to match that. Yeah, there's that aspect of it. I think that <laughs> it's hard to get guys on your hip whenever everyone is just going to go under every single ball screen Absolutely. and force you to shoot. He's going to have to prove that he can make shots. Like, There's a world for him to be a 224 to 230 pound guard that can shoot threes and then play off the threat of that jump shot and play in the NBA and make an impact because he plays with unbelievable pace. He plays with unbelievable rhythm. Uh, he kind of, it almost feels like he lulls defenders to sleep and then does actually have out of his moves. Like, I don't want to say like a quick first step, but it catches guys by surprise. Surprising first step. Yeah. Yeah. And like, again, like I'm not like making like jokes about that. Like it actually is like he, he catches guys by surprise uh, with the rhythm that he plays at. So it, it probably has to do with like the fact that he can probably, if you made me guess, just based on like body mechanics, like I would bet you that he decelerates very well and then can like 
accelerate quicker than most. Uh, again, though, if your first step just coming off of a ball screen doesn't allow you to get a guy on his hip, it's going to be harder for him. So um, I, w- I want to see more. Uh, I just want to see more Dacia Knicks games if he's going to be 225 to 230 pounds. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to see more on how this is going to work. You know, I don't know if it it does it though. It's like what we're we're describing a, whatever, a perfect world, but like who has those, like that measurable, that type of game, the NBA that could even nail it down and say like, Oh, he can play like player a, you're more of the NBA encyclopedia. Like me, I think he's probably gonna have to lean out a little bit and maybe that helps his quickness some, but I just didn't watch and think like, okay, that makes sense. Like Brian Shaw compared Kaminga's body type to Jalen Brown, which is like, okay, like I, I get that. Like their games are a little bit different, but like, I see that. I don't know who that player is for Dejan Knicks. I'm not saying it's not out there. I just don't know who it is at six, four ish two thirty that doesn't have the burst off the dribble. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Cause like, it's obviously not Harden. Um, No, 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 no. I mean, Harden just like, Maybe that's his body, but that guy can you know hit step backs from half court. I'm going to be really interested to see if there's like a uh, like a Dacia Knicks push from the same people that pushed Killian Hayes last year because All the way to number one, yeah. <laughs> well, not to number one necessarily, but like theoretically similar skill sets here. Killian is better athletically and can shoot better. Uh, I think probably has a better more effective pull-up jump shot right now than what Dacian does but like very high iq very good live dribble passers like not crazy athletes great size for the point guard position like there's a lot of similarities there like i I would venture that we will see something of a push at some point for this i yeah i I think killian just washes overseas stuff and just a little bit before he got injured here thought he was probably better in pick and roll. I mean, the Knicks is going to have to react to, to different yeah. looks, like you said, unless he can hit that jumper. We've talked. I mean, we had the first mock draft, I think, him in like the like 15 to 20. So I think the last one was yeah. off the board. Don't want to overreact. Again, it's, it's one game or whatever. But I feel kind of confident, comfortable where he is right now. Not that stuff doesn't change, but I think for right now, that's kind of the range. The, the latter end of where we were the yeah i'd say like the latter end of the first round is where i feel good right now i'm really trying to like rack my brain to find someone who is similar to this you're gonna text me in like four hours and be like i got it dude and i know edit, like you can, you can edit it back in i i don't like it's almost like we're gonna have to go back to like before i was born maybe to like find <laughs> to find someone like this i'm sure yeah, that, that like that's that's when the game is different you know that's when yeah. like, pistons were clotheslining people and larry bird and dr j could choke each other and it's like okay whatever no foul just stand over there for a few minutes uh the old big east is it yeah. is it levance fields shout out levance fields oh, God. what was the under to take the under on the levance fields <laughs> pittsburgh show i don't yeah um the last guy here is isaiah todd I, I don't know that we need to talk about Isaiah Todd a lot. He, he didn't look particularly good. Uh, 17 minutes, so they allowed him to play quite a bit. But there, there was never really a point where I thought he was making any sort of positive impact out on the court. I felt the same during the scrimmage. I, there were just stretches I didn't even know he was really out there. I thought he got lost in the paint a lot. He hit that one kind of... I don't know, his elbowish jumper, and they missed it again. Tried to face up. Fell for shot fakes defensively. 
you know, one possession he did like the pump fake. He like threw it off the backboard and tried to catch and dunk it. I was like, I are, are you talking? On. Okay, then yeah, you're talking about yesterday, not in the scrimmage. No, no, no. The, yeah, the, the game stuff I'm talking about yesterday. When yeah. the, down the left side where he, he pump faked the guy left, he threw it off the backboard and tried to dunk it. I'm like, I don't think that, you know, we're not doing that here right, right now. Uh, no. But yeah, gave him 17 minutes. Gonna have to see more. Want him to play a little bit more, but obviously there's some some guys ahead of him, and you hope he figures it out. But just yesterday wasn't the most encouraging performance. Yeah, I mean he was to put it in context. I mean you probably even know this better than I do because you probably saw him earlier than I did in his like prep career. I mean Isaiah Todd was a top five recruit in his class. Uh, very early on is uh, i mean like there were some people who oh, totally. thought he was like number one yeah. Yeah. yeah and from there he just hasn't gotten any better like he hasn't gotten better since he was basically a sophomore in high school like does that sound unfair to say yeah it, it was just this weird trajectory is really good then cooled off then he got better again and then just kind of like ended up here i guess yeah like consistently moved down the rankings like i don't think he was the five star by the end was he a five star by the end like it was very close I don't think by the end yeah i'd say firmly a four but i don't think he was a five star by the end he had a good senior year i think he was down in north carolina i don't think he was in florida then he kind of bounced around but you saw some of the stuff that was intriguing where okay he catches from the mid post of freezer line faces up takes one dribble and dunks or the next play he can pull up hit a jumper and then he settled into too much of a jump shooter. I thought yesterday he tried to be a little bit too much of a jump shooter despite only taking four shots. It's just he didn't really find his lane to be successful. Yeah, he's kind of the classic, like, people get excited by the athletic tools guy where he's six foot nine and very fluid and has good coordination. And you assume that the skills will come along and the skills have just never really come along, unfortunately. Yeah, and works with trainers a lot. He works with some some notable guys down in the South there. And it's just, look, again, it's different working in one-on-one settings versus now you're five-on-five and he's playing the fours, playing the five. And you're playing grown men, like guys who are probably in the NBA and out of the NBA that have 15 pounds of muscle on you. You're just going to throw you around. Yeah, no question. Uh, Right now, look, I mean, like I talked to a scout after the game, like, the scout said that like there's no way he'd draft him i'm i'm sure that you've talked to scouts that say like maybe a two-way guy that's the impression that i've gotten from talking to people around the league yeah somewhere around there i mean definitely not on the the first round board at all right now maybe he creeps up somewhere in the second but not a guaranteed thing to be drafted, which which would be interesting because if uh, there, I don't think there's many scenarios where we see Kaminga and Jalen Green get out of the top five. You know, Dejan Nix I think will probably be late first ish to mid second ish. Todd probably that second ish range. I just don't know if this is like necessarily deemed a success if that's the end result of it. That's a good question. Maybe we'll finish the Ignite conversation there. Like, what do we think success looks like for this G League Elite or G League Ignite, I guess it is now, uh, program? Because I think that if Kaminga goes, you know, top three potentially and Jalen Green goes six, they're probably still fine with that. Right, like as in like as as long as Knicks goes somewhere in the top forty five and gets a guaranteed deal, like if three out of four get a guaranteed deal, and, and look, like I think that everyone kind of thinks that Kai Sato, who is training with the Philippines national team, like everyone kind of knows that's like kind of a long term project, and Prince Paul Singh, same deal, like that's a long term project that is going to take some time, and 
like nobody really thinks of them as super high level potential draft picks right now. Um, if they go three of four with Kaminga Green and Knicks, I do wonder if that really starts to push some kids toward this program, especially kids that are in the top five of their recruiting class. There's there's already been some names kind of floated out there who may fit that description. These kids also took this leap early, and I was talking to somebody about it today, because there wasn't a proof of concept. But I but again, this is like the NBA running it, so I don't think it was like an enormous leap because I don't think they would like let these kids out to dry. Right. Definitely would assume that they want at least three first round guys. Three first round lottery, I think, would be like the the high end of what they wanted. Don't think that happens. Don't know a scenario that happens. I'm just curious if they run back kind of the same play again next year where it's like, okay, we'll go after four of the top 50, 75-ish guys. Hopefully two are in the top 10, and then two are kind of like late first, early second. For the amount of money they've put into it, I don't know that answer, but uh, I think it's a um, it's an interesting thing to kind of talk about and kick around. Because I, I don't know like what their kind of end result was here. Was this just to not have kids go play in the NBL? Is this to really have a, a pathway before the rule potentially changes to let kids come straight out of high school? Like those things I don't really have the answers to. Yeah, I don't either. That's a really good point. I, I'm just really not sure where this all ends up going. Let's uh, take a quick commercial break and we'll be back with just a couple things. This is going to be a uh, relatively shorter podcast today. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So When I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. NordVPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions, just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account, nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, 
I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Penny and I are back. We wanted to talk about Tennessee really quickly because we talked about Tennessee on the last podcast. And kind of what I mentioned was that I would like to see Tennessee just kind of hand over the reins to Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer and play smaller and hope that it works better, right? I didn't watch the game last night against Georgia, but against Kentucky, they looked great and did a lot of similar things to what I was hoping for. They kind of let Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer be slashers and drivers, and it worked really well. Uh, over their last two games, I believe they had 54, was it, against uh, Kentucky? And then yesterday, Jaden Springer went for 30, while Keon Johnson went for 11. So it seems like things are kind of kind of rolling along here for the Tennessee guys. I don't know if it's the the game theory jinx or the Rick Barnes post game press conference where he called them out without saying it by name, or they just played that segment of the podcast in like the locker room before the game. But it was like all the complaints and call outs we had about them not being assertive, not being aggressive, just completely went out the window. John Fulkerson, who's a very good player, has had four points in those last two games that we talked about. He had zero against Kentucky. He had four against Georgia. The lane is much more open. He was kind of spotting more in the corner. And that Keon Johnson monster dunk that went viral yesterday, He Fulkerson stepped out. He hit him in the corner. He just cut to lane, came back, and guy was on his hip. And just it was like he was jumping off a trampoline when he jumped and dunked on the guy. Springer... His shot was definitely falling a lot more. I mean, he had 30 yep. points yesterday on 9 of 11 shooting, 3 for 4 from 3 and 9 for 12 from the free throw line. Had a little bit more poise, I'd say, when elevating the lane and, and wasn't really forcing the stuff. He converted more using physicality. Uh, I want him to – well, he wants to back down more, I think, and turn his back than, than I'd want him to. But he shot well from the corners. Uh, and he even took credit or, I guess, the blame – Toward the end of the game, he said, look, we were careless down the end. We had some bad turnovers. I got to get better. But based on where they were, we're saying, like, we want statement games. They've each had two in the last two since we recorded a week ago, which is pretty funny. I love it. Like, I you I think that, like, you were like, yeah, this is like the game theory jinx. And I was like, no, this is this is fantastic. They're, like, spreading <laughs> out and letting these guys yeah. rock. It's amazing. Uh, you know, like you sometimes you'll you'll take those shanks in there. I'm like, I don't know if we should go all the way in, but uh, I, again, I, I think that these guys, I wouldn't want to say woke up, but when you have 50 points against Ole Miss, you need to bounce back, and they go play Kentucky and combine for 50 points or whatever it was, it can get you back on the right foot. And I, I do want to hedge of all hedges and say we ended the conversation last time we spoke saying what's going to happen is each of these guys are going to come out and have 25 points or we're going to look like idiots and we said yes that's great like we're rooting for these guys we're rooting to be idiots and uh now here we are 23 points for one 27 for the other and i was watching it laughing texting with somebody else being like you knew this was going to happen right I'm like yeah of course it's great well i don't even know that we like laid the blame at the feet of the kids last time like i felt like more than anything maybe me at least like i was like 
this offense is just like not working for them as much as anything. And like, look, Tennessee's offense shouldn't work for the players. Like, I mean, it should work for the players, but like that shouldn't be the sole purpose. Like they should be trying to win games. But I really think that their best chance to win games is by making the offense more centric around the kids. So like, yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't think this was really even a jinx. I think it was like, hey, they, they figured out that they've got to let these guys rock a little bit more, and I love to see it. I love to see Keon Johnson turning that corner harder to off dribble handoffs and yep. really looking to score. It was like there were some possessions early in the year he would make that move, and it's like he didn't even necessarily look at the basket. He was much more downhill attacking mode, and it was certainly more spaced out. I mean, I don't have the, the numbers in front of me. I, I know Fulkerson still played a ton of minutes, but it seemed like – they went a little bit smaller. They spaced out the floor a little bit more, opened up those driving lanes for him to attack and, and try to dunk at the rim. I mean, there was another one where he missed like this huge lefty dunk off the break, but same thing. Like he was actually trying to rip the rim off, which he didn't see yep. early in the year. He was kind of jump and like throw himself up there and not know what to do. Yeah, no, totally agree. I'm super excited to see where this goes from here. I think it's going to be very positive to be honest like i think that they're gonna be really really good the rest of the year because these guys are really starting to emerge and they're starting to figure out how to use them best at this point one thing i'm gonna spring on you now that we didn't talk about ahead of time which will be fun for you have you have you watched much quentin grimes this year i just find like see i knew the quentin grimes discussion was coming I just didn't know that it was going to happen today. Just, just a little bit. I'm not as as big a, a Houston, I don't want to say fan, just I haven't watched like a ton of Houston games. I know he just had like 29 points the other night. The yeah. shot's falling a little bit more. I had this conversation too. It's like, is he the guy that Kansas is missing or is his game still better suited having the guys around him at Houston? I think it's the latter, to be honest, okay. but... Like, he still can't finish inside, and, like, he's still not really a passer, playmaker. He's basically just a scorer, right? He is playing better defensively, which is good, like, utilizing his body more. Like, he's really bought into that Houston scheme, which is great. Um, But for the most part, like, he's just kind of being a shot maker now. And I don't think he's, like, a top 90 top 75 prospect, at least, let's say. But I think he's, like, got himself back on the radar at least uh back on the radar like i'm not saying he's going to be drafted i don't in fact right now like i would say that he probably is not going to get drafted but like it's a great story that like this guy who was a five-star prospect everything at his feet went to kansas was not very good really struggled to be honest went to the combine was not very good struggled and has picked himself kind of up off the mat and has gotten better. Like, I, I kind of love that. I I think it says a lot to his competitiveness. It says a lot to his work, his drive. Like, I, I have an immense amount of respect for what Quentin Grimes has done this year. Especially knowing that, and I don't have it right in front of me, but if you remember that first, like, Champions Classic game where he had, I don't know, it was 15 or 20 points, but it was like, yep, this yep. is a one-and-done kid. He's gone. And then it started to cool off. And usually those guys, when they transfer and leave, it's not that they're forgotten about, but they go somewhere else, and it's like, oh, yeah, that guy used to be five-star. But to be averaging 17 points per game, he just had 29 the other night against South Florida. He's shooting the ball better uh it, the first step is what's always kind of been the concern for me from a pro level but it, it is um i guess telling or, or interesting that the kid can develop beyond what people slated for him after he transferred and still kind of like 
reinvented himself as a prospect back on draft boards. Yeah, I would love to see him, you know, maybe even return next year and like figure out how to finish at the rim, basically. Uh, I would have really liked to, I, I would love it to be able to see him take that next step forward because he's not there quite yet. He still really needs to find a way to finish inside the arc because right now it's just not happening enough for a guy who's going to make his living basically as a scorer because he's not a great passer. It just kind of shows he's not a great passer at Houston. Um, I don't know. Like I, I would, I would hope. Like the the other thing here is like he doesn't even buoy that finishing at the rim with like a floater game. Like he doesn't really have a runner game yet. Like maybe that's the addition to his game this off season, but. Shout out Quentin Grimes. I love it. Like, I'm here for Quentin Grimes figuring some shit out here. Yeah, we're here for everybody, clearly, as, as Tennessee has sprung board off this thing. And I just did a, a quick little self-promotion here. I, I just put together a quick little thing on Jalen Suggs, too, because one of the things that he added was a floater this year, where normally he would turn the corner, get in the lane, and just try to, like, jump and flail. He took three or four of them the other night and like that's become a real weapon like if you beat your guy you can have a floater as opposed to throwing yourself into in the nba it's going to be a 611 shot blocker that can be an asset if grimes adds that maybe you don't have to be the quickest guy in the world if you beat the guy just a little bit and can use a floater instead of trying to dunk on somebody do you have anything random that you want to spring on me here because i just i just toss something <laughs> at you basketball wise or life wise i don't know what do you whatever you want to talk about matt penny i'm good i i just wanted to spring on you or have you officially become an internet bad boy for clapping back the haters <laughs> in your comments uh no i really have tried not to do that like i used no, to no, do no it. specifics I'm just, I'm just speaking in generalities we're not starting any internet podcast wars here i used to do it more often um i don't want to do it it i just like see them sometimes and i'm like yeah gotta do it Gotta, gotta go for it. <laughs> Can't help um, yourself. Your like, fingers like hovering over the keyboard. You put your phone down and you shake your head and say, yeah, I gotta do it. Well, it was funny. Like, there was the one a couple days ago where I, I don't even know like what happened. Like, someone accused me of like, oh, are you just gonna like do what Worldwide Wob is doing? And Rob Perez is great. We love Rob Perez. This is a Rob Perez positive podcast. Uh, but it's like, do you think that like what Rob and I do is similar in any way? Like, right. <laughs> and also, I, I think you made the point of it too. Like, there's like three games on right now, so we're going to talk about one of three things. It's like that yeah. college games too. It's like if there's like a double header, it's like, all right, well, you're either posting the Keon Johnson dunk or that Jeremiah Robinson Earl had 25 points and missed one shot. It's like one or the other. Like, we're not copying each other. That's just like what's out there right now. Yeah. Like, what do you want me to say? And like, I've tweeted, it was about the Kings too. And I've like watched a crazy amount of Kings games this year because I think that they're like the most fun team outside of the Hornets to watch in the NBA right now, which is a sentence like for another time to talk about, right? Like, <laughs> had no uh, idea uh, that was gonna uh, happen yeah i saw i think that was the first nba game i watched this year was was a preseason game with the hornets and the first play i saw was Lamelo take the ball and throw it full court and i said oh man i got i texted you i said i gotta get league pass now because this is gonna be a show 
Oh, it's the best. Watching Hornets games are so good. Part of it, too, is that Jim Borrego, their head coach, is very good. Like, very, very good. They run, like, super heavy motion. Like, it's it's really an impressive offense to watch. And there are a lot of young guys, like, still trying to get their feet under them. Like, it's it's really good. Um, the Kings also, like, really, really fun team. But, but yeah, like, I, I don't want to be a... Uh, I, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to yell at... Uh, yell at people on the internet that's that's not fun for me i I need to i need to get my um get my self-control back under me i think i think you have it pretty well under control just once in a while once once a while i gotta let them know right it's like once a while like yeah that's not really the way it is i need to be like dickie v i need to take the pepto-bismol and just (laughs) like you know what's not you know what's not talked about enough of the dickie v pepto-bismol thing is like we talked about the luca garza what the the statement he made which by the end we like agreed with him which was kind of funky but he also like later in that game did a ad read for taco bell like this is like perfect like you get the pepto you get the taco bell it's it's the full package (laughs) how is that not like a combined commercial now that's my point yeah yeah dickie v shilling taco bell and pepto bismol after the taco bell this is yeah it's a home run for everyone. I'm going to like reach out to some people who work in advertising and be like, look, this is a partnership for the ages. You will get so much goodwill if you just do this. It will be an enormous win for you. And people will eat Taco Bell and they will drink Pepto-Bismol like their life depends on it. And post because it on social it, media. It's, it's all about social media, right? It's like all about the likes and interactions. It'll all be well, there. and you know what? Their life really might depend on it to drink that Pepto-Bismol <laughs> after eating Taco Bell. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Penny, do you have any, uh, any exciting, any exciting movies, TV shows? Uh, I know you were pumped about Married at First Sight, Australia starting again soon. I was, that, that started. So I watched two of those episodes. There's one in Australia. There's also, uh, the American one just started back up. I've actually watched more TV than I think you'd think I would. I watched, um, was it the little things with Denzel Washington? Watch that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, did you like it? Uh, no. <laughs> I didn't like. I, I, yeah, yeah, like I don't. I don't know if like you know the guy who wrote the screenplay or something. So I don't want to say like no. Uh, I I love Jared Leto. I love Denzel. I just thought it was the script was a little uneven. Yeah, I thought the script was pretty bad to be honest. Um, it looked great. Denzel was good. Rami Malek was a strange casting choice. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I I have a soft spot for Mr. Robot. I've said that before. I just I didn't really see the fit. I guess. Yeah. That was a strange casting choice, I thought. Didn't really work. Uh, really just kind of like a, almost like too dull for what it was trying to be. Have you ever... There's a movie in the... It's almost like The Bone Collector. Did you ever watch The Bone Collector oh, like the bone in the collector, 90s? Yeah. It was kind of like that, except a little bit worse, I thought. Yeah, that was Angelina Jolie was the cop, right? Yes. If I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, Denzel and I put it all together at the end no spoilers but yeah yeah some yeah. i read somewhere that it was like written in the 90s and then like seven came out afterwards and it was kind of like the same thing but it looked like they stole from them because that one came out first i thought that was interesting well the good news for you is that on your hbo max subscription that it sounds like you have uh judah and the black messiah comes out uh no it's judas and the black messiah sorry uh comes out this weekend and there is not a movie that i am more excited about seeing this year period i think than judas and the black messiah it's on the list we have nothing else fired up so that's a that's a good starting point for something else yeah the judas and the black messiah trailer is so good have you seen this trailer i think i have i'd have to pull it up to confirm 
it's like, look, I worked at Nielsen and like part of my job at Nielsen was like literally going through trailers and saying like, hey, like this worked. Hey, this, I have. Yes, this yes, yes, didn't yes, work sorry, yesterday. Yeah. 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 Like that trailer, I think, is maybe the best trailer I've ever seen in my life. I think. Oh, that my gosh. That's heavy. That's heavy. That's like the best trailer ever. Man, yes. We have to dig through that. That's a different podcast for another day. But. I remember it's, the first time I saw like the the trailer for the Dark Knight, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like this is going to be something." Yeah, the Dark Knight's up there. Um, there's another one. Uh, Uncut Gems is another one. The Uncut Gems trailer is amazing. Uh, but Judas and the Black Messiah is a staggeringly good trailer. It is that trailer is so good that it made me go out and buy a book on Fred Hampton. That's how good the that's how <laughs> okay. good that trailer is. Was it a book that was the same thing or you're just like I have to read more because this has motivated me? Well, I have to read more about Fred Hampton and the Chicago Black Panther Party. This is what that that's what I had to do after seeing that trailer back in like September or something. It's like that, that. so you got to educate yourself before you see the movie. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's uh, let's get out of here, Penny. Tell the people where they can find your uh, find your social presences and all of the things that you do in your life. <laughs> you can find me in Newton, Massachusetts. Also. On the internet, on Twitter, Matt underscore Penny. Uh, little videos, again, some bad jokes. Don't take all the stuff we say seriously. I made a, a joke last week that uh, Pro Insight had this video of, of J- I'm sorry, yeah, Jalen Suggs, uh, throwing a, a basketball like a football pregame, which is kind of like Steph Curry's done in jest. And I said, people forget that Jalen Suggs was Mr. F- Mr. Football in Minnesota in 2019. I had people yelling at me being like, how do you not know that? Same as seeing you should roast you on the next pod. I said, yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit, guys. I know. They talk about it a lot. <laughs> It's a bit. It's absolutely 100% a bit. Um, by the way, Matt Penny right now, sitting on 999 followers. Oh, lucky thousandth gets a Game Theory coffee mug. For the love of God, follow Matt Penny and get him up over 1,000. We, we need to do it. We absolutely have yeah, to do funny. it. That's funny. 999. It's too bad it wasn't broke on the air, but that's pretty good. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, I wrote about Jonathan Kuminga... Jalen Green, Deshaun Nix, and Isaiah Todd. There's actually a lot more in there that we didn't really talk about on the podcast today. I would absolutely implore you guys to go read it because I actually talked to scouts and did that whole thing as opposed to what Matt and I just did today, which was my opinion and his opinion for the most part. In addition, next week I have uh, organization rankings for... NBA prospects coming out. Those will be out Tuesday through Thursday, I believe, is the current plan. And then the week after that, we are going to do uh, top 50 prospects in the NBA. So keep it locked at The Athletic. There's going to be a lot of really great stuff coming soon. But until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. 